This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Right now, we are going to head to Italy, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere between Milan and Venice. Calvisano, if I'm not mistaken, in the heart of Brescia. We catch up with a man who, uh, born on the west coast of New Zealand, who has been in Italy for a number of years. He played for Italy for a very long time, played over 40 test matches, played against the All Blacks, if I'm not mistaken, on a couple of occasions, including coming off the bench uh, when these two nations met at the 2007 World Cup in Marseille. I am thrilled to welcome into the program Mr Paul Griffin, who joins us out of Italy. Hello, Paul. Thanks so much for joining us really early in the morning over there. How are you doing? Mate, I'm all good. I'm all good. And your homework was spot on, mate. You've done very well on all the info. So, no, it's, it's all good here, mate. All good. Mate, I'd like to know, how on earth have you not lost that New Zealand accent? Because you've been over there more than two decades, right? <laughs> yeah, 24 years I've been here now. No, I don't know, I don't know either, mate. Just, I don't, actually don't speak English very often. So, if I make some mistakes now during this, that's probably the reason I've kept my accent, because I don't speak it very often. So, so how did you get there? And why did you stay? Oh, long story short, basically we just come across originally for three months um, to get a bit of time. I'd had a few injuries down in Christchurch where I was playing at Linwood um, yep. and come across to Italy for for three months and then just kind of sliding doors, I suppose. You got in the right place at the right time and fell in love with the country. I'd just been married as well with my, my Kiwi wife, so we thought we'd hang around for another year or so and we're still here 24 years later. So she has the Guinness World Records for the longest honeymoon in the world. Well, being, being married to you is a honeymoon, right? Every day, I understand. Oh, mate, she's the luckiest woman in the world, exactly. <laughs> uh, you, you, I'm just trying to think back. You probably played under JK, right? Was Sir John the one who gave you your yep. start? Or was it bit, it yep, was. It was. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it was so when you went, did you have any idea, like any sort of inclination, oh, I, hey, this might end up in international rugby? No, not really. When, obviously, when you first come across, it was just to come across to... You know, to have a bit of experience, get a bit of, get away from, from New Zealand, I suppose, and just experience Europe. And then just things happen, mate. You know, you're in the right place at the right time. You get you get lucky. I mean, I got lucky. A guy called Alessandro Troncon, who played 100 and, 104 tests for Italy, got injured um, just after the World Cup in 2003. JK had taken over. And, oh, sorry, JK was in charge. And he just said, look, Griff, come and have a crack. So, uh, you know, had a crack in there and then stayed there for five years, which was, yeah, you, mate, you're lucky. You, like I said, the right place at the right time. And he just... You, you, you lap it up, don't you? Yeah, you do. Playing under Pierre Bibizia at the World Cup in 2007, he was a pretty fine uh, number nine, fair to say. Uh, but that, probably the highlight of that um, was playing the All Blacks for you personally. What, what was that experience like? Oh, it was amazing, mate. It was amazing. We played in Marseille. <clears throat> Obviously, you talked about Pierre Bibizia as well. You know, he was he's a good tactician too. He's a very good strategic coach. Um, very big on motivation. And obviously, the French thing about New Zealand as well, there was a lot of um, extra emotion, I suppose you could say, before that game. And I think the one thing that stuck out, and actually, I was liaison officer for the All Blacks two years ago when they were in Italy and Rome, and they have a thing in the, in the All Blacks clubhouse, and you had to get up and talk about stuff. And I talked about Gilbert and Oka about it, but that game there against the All Blacks, we actually, Pierre Bizier decided that we weren't, we weren't going to face the Haka. So, as a Kiwi, that was, you know, it was a horrible, it was a horrible day um, to not actually face up to the Haka, and you had to obviously respect the 
the team culture at that time for Italy, but it was very, very tough. And during that that week of um, with the All Blacks two years back, um, obviously I got to spit that out to the All Blacks too because it had been, you know, riding on my mind for a long time. And it was uh, something nice to get off my chest. And it was just nice that you know teacher Perinara and boys like that were were accepted and said, look, bro, just get on with it, just just carry on. You know, we forgive you know that kind of stuff. So it was actually quite a nice release. But the World Cup in itself to play against the All Blacks was unreal, unreal. Yeah, I. I, I bet. Speaking of that Italian team culture, how, how would you describe it? Uh, for, from your uh, time in it over an extended period, you know, what makes that team tick? You know, how do you describe the dynamic? Oh, just, it's, this is just a lot, a lot of passion. Obviously, a lot of passion. And I think the thing that's happened with Italian rugby too, they've had a lot of different co- cult, uh, coaches from different cultures, you know, South African, French, and obviously Kiwi through Brad Johnson, John Kerr, and now Kieran Crowley as well. So... They've never really identified their personal identity, uh, but now under Kieran, he's been here for so long. I think you know he's he's helped Italian rugby turn the corner. You know he's he done some amazing things with Benetton Treviso uh, in the United Rugby Championship, and then he's come into Italy and he's done some amazing stuff. Unfortunately, uh, they're not going to um, continue his uh, his coaching expertise after the World Cup. But you know he's he's brought in a lot of stuff, which I think in New Zealand is it's just normal. You know. The culture is very, very strong. I think there's a lot of love and there's a lot of care. You know, he he really cares about his players and his players. You know, talking to a lot of them, and I've I've known through the academy academy system over the years gone by. You know, they've got a lot of time and a lot of love for Kieran as well. And I think, you know, having that kind of relationship has has created what Italian rugby is doing now at the moment. You know, we're not getting massive results, but they're playing some attractive rugby. And I think they've they've rekindled the faith and the. Um, the enjoyment for Italian supporters, you know, because rugby in Italy is not a massive sport. You know, it's probably considered, I think, I read an article a couple of weeks back, it's the 13th most important sport in Italy, you know, behind fencing, behind basketball, volleyball, soccer, obviously. So it's not um, a sport where every day it's in the newspaper or it's on the TV, on the news on TV. So I think what they're doing at the moment is, is massive and, and hopefully the sport can just keep growing because they, the potential is massive. What is the fan base like? I'm a, I'm a big fan of football, big fan of culture, big fan, uh, f- no, fascinated oh. with the ultras in Italy. <laughs> yeah. How do you describe that, the yeah. Italian rugby fans? No, mate, it's good. It is very good at the moment. You know, they've taken on uh, the massive thing of the aftermatch. You know, everything's about, it's called Tids or Tempo, sort of the third half. And it has become huge, mate. It has become really massive. And like in New Zealand, you know, there's a beer company over here called Peroni, who they are the major sponsor of Italy after all the Six Nations games and the home games. So, there is a massive village up and, you know, people just, people are loving it at the moment. You know, obviously results make a difference. And now that we've got a couple of, you know, world-class players, you know, and Angie Capozzo, uh, Michele Lamara, the captain, Paolo Garbisi, you know, it makes it um, easier to sell, I suppose you can say, to the fans because they can identify the rugby and, the, you know, the possible results with, with some people who actually make a difference in, in world rugby that are known worldwide rather than just internally. Paul, this might be a very crude analysis, but I look at their Six Nations results, see one win since the start of 2014. I think that's one in 50. My maths is hopeless. But but you, you yeah. feel those results don't fully fully sort of, uh, you know, describe that they have turned a corner. Can you just elaborate on that, you know, um, and maybe give the New yeah, Zealand no, listeners an insight of what the All Blacks are going to face? Yeah, no, there was, a, there was a lull from probably 2000 and... Oh, even before that, 2011 till about 2018, 19. And then there has only been one result, but the, you know, the gap is closing. Um, but I think you know what Italy can offer against the All Blacks. I honestly think that Italy should keep all their eggs in, in their basket for the game against France the week after. But 
reading an article yesterday that Kieran wrote. He wants to have a crack at New Zealand and, and you know, just prove to the world that they can take on the best. So I think, you know, Italy at the moment, they offer something which is completely different. Maybe it's like Japan four years ago in the World Cup, you know. They're not physically massive. Um, their skill set has improved a hell of a lot. They've got a lot of good, uh, there's a lot of clarity in how they want to attack and what they want to do on attack. Very aggressive in defence, and they've got some really good um, game managers through Tom, Tommaso Allen and, and Paolo Gabizzi. So they just it's a team now where they're physically not going to dominate you. You know, like in years gone by, you know, we had Custer Giovanni and, and guys like that. You know, the scrum was always the, the talking point, but now it's more about moving the ball around. You know, I think the most attractive thing about Italy at the moment is they attack from everywhere, so they can attack from their own goal line. You know, have a crack at it anyway. It might not always come off, but they're prepared yeah. to have a go, which I think is what everyone appreciates, you know? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. They play with great pace, don't they? Uh, I think Scott McLeod even talked yeah, about do. that, the defence coach, and how quickly they recycled the ball. I, I'll get you out on this one. You've mentioned some good names of world-class talent. Where are they smattered across the park for the, the uninitiated New Zealand fan? And you know there's probably more than a few, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, no, I mean, Andrew Capozzo is a, he's a young fellow playing in France in Toulouse. He's just come on, on the scene about three years ago. He is obviously a world breakout player last year. Um, he's at 15. Then you've got Paolo Garbizzi, will be at 12. He plays in Montpellier in France. You know, he learned a lot of his stuff over two, the first two years in Montpellier with Hendrik Pollard, was play, he was playing above him. So he obviously learned a lot of his game management through there. And obviously, Hendrik Pollard at the moment is the man that everyone's talking about, about South Africa having to kick goals and stuff, which is another another argument. Um, and then in the, in the pack, you know, you've got, You've got, just got workhorses, mate. You've got no real standout superstars, but you've got workhorses. You know, Seb Negri plays six. Michele Lamoureux, who's a young captain. He's like a young, it's a very, very high thing, but he looks like a young Richie McCaw who just does everything and just leads by example. Very passionate. And then a really young front row who uh, are solid, you know, a tight five who work well. So it's a team which you'll see physically they're not big, but they will give everything they've got for for the Azuri jersey and for the public and everyone that supports them. And I think the biggest thing, like I was saying about Kieran before that he's brought in, is that, you know, he's brought in the whole family thing. You know, he's, he's riding on the, the passion yeah. of the Italians, um, all that kind of stuff there. And oh, it's massive, mate. It's massive. Well, enjoy it, my friend. Thanks so much for being so generous with your time, taking our call so early. I know you're still connected uh, with the sport. Yesterday, I think you are in a vineyard picking grapes with, with your local club team. Uh, you know, how Italian does yeah, that sound, my friend? Paul Griffin, wonderful to have you on the show. Go well, my friend. Uh, do appreciate your Cheers, time. Bro. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Cheers, oh. bro. Once a Kiwi, always a Kiwi, eh? Cheers, bro.